shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. John, heads or tails? I'll take heads. It's tails. What? Look at that. What? All right. Tarek, still startup season, my friend. Um, if I were on the clock and asking for some advice here, I'm between two wide receivers. Those receivers are T. Higgins and Devontae Adams. Who would you advise me to take? Uh, honestly, without even blinking, I would say T. Higgins. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams projects to probably smash T. Higgins in production over the next year or two. But T. Higgins is what? six, seven years younger, and we've seen through his first two years that he gets targets when he's on the field and he does really well with those targets. You know, early second round pick back in 2020, he's been everything we've hoped. And with Jamar Chase playing on the other side, he's constantly going to be in single coverage, constantly going to be beating people downfield for a lot longer than Devontae Adams will be. And remember, it's not out of the cards that T. Higgins starts approaching Devontae Adams in terms of production within the next year, right? We don't know what's going to happen in Las Vegas. So uh, it's it's T. Higgins pretty easily for me. All right, John, you got the other side of that coin? You know, Marles, there's only one guy of these two that has a 99 Madden rating right now. <laughs> and that's... Devonte Adams, and you know why he's got that ninety nine rating? It's because he's the better wide receiver. Honestly, I'd be torn, like because I would probably take T Higgins, like Tarek did. But um, you know, if you if you do take Devonte Adams, you've got a really good shot at having the number one wide receiver this year. So if I'm taking him, I'm just hoping that I'm a competitor this year um, because T Higgins, you're you're going to be able to ride him a lot longer than Devonte Adams. Uh, I think everything he said is perfectly legitimate, but. I also think it's pretty likely that Devontae Adams is the wide receiver one this year. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. And I think you can get Devontae Adams a little bit later um, based on the startup ADP I've seen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just about team construction, team build, but I'd feel pretty good with either of those guys, I think. Well, you know me, Detective Marles. I'm up in your ranks there with my magnifying glass. (laughs) And both of you have these wide receivers one wide receiver apart from each other. So I (laughs) really, really wanted to split hairs on this one. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, like we've always said on this pod, like if it's close, air towards the youth, especially in a startup here. But I mean, I've also said this and I will say it again. Nothing feels better in fantasy football than plug in Devontae Adams into your starting lineup. Yeah. It yep. feels real right. good. Yep. Every time he scores a touchdown, I send a message to our group chat that says automatic. <laughs> and that happens about 20 times a season because that motherfucker is automatic. So yes, I, is. I totally agree. I mean, like, I'm not going to look at anybody sideways for drafting Devontae Adams over T. Higgins. I just think if you're in a startup, uh, go with the 23 year old over the soon to be 30 year old. Right. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to episode 63 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibinshuya, and today at our roundtable, we are welcoming back 
Jonathan Alexander. Yes. Mitch Yates is also here. What's up, Mitch? Good to see you. What's up? What's up? I'm going to throw it to John first because we haven't seen you in like a month, bro. I know. And while I was gone, uh, the Scott Fishbowl thing happened and we are in round 21. So that means that I am on the verge of taking, uh, I don't know, like guys like KJ Hamler, Justin Ross, guys that I will probably cut at some point this year, but it's been really <laughs> nice. I've enjoyed this draft. It started like a week ago and uh, it's good to be back and it's good to be, I'm glad to be talking about football because I've been doing this draft thinking about football. So it's good to be back. Good to have you back. Mitch, what's going on, bro? Not much. I just got back from Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm actually happy to report that Cleveland sucks way less than I thought it would. <laughs> and so I apologize, Cleveland, for just the unmerited shit talking that I've done in the past. But Cleveland, you're pretty cool. You kind of give me those Austin vibes. And yeah, the Scott Fishbowl thing's been pretty fun. Um, great cause. And uh, honestly, I love that all of all four of us are in it, you know, and I I think we got some good teams going, too. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to plug, though. There's another charity fantasy football competition going on, this Polly's Playoff, that um, Shane Barrett at FF Shane B on Twitter invited me to. Another great cause is uh, $10 to enter, and uh, all of the proceeds go to Alzheimer's research. So... Uh, yeah, if you're looking for uh, another competition to get in and you didn't get into the fishbowl, by all means, hop into this one. We'll uh, we'll plug it on our Twitter. Great plug. Yeah, we'll, we'll plug it on our Twitter, and I will also include the link to that competition in the notes to this MP3 file. So if you look in Apple or Spotify, you'll see the link uh, to the competition. Go ahead, and that's a great cause. Thanks for the plug, Mitch. Yeah, and I also want to say, yes, Cleveland gets a lot of hate and I don't know why. Like, it's a cool city. It's the Browns. There's there's that Cuyahoga National Park right by, which is beautiful. Like, it, the cost of living is amazing. Hey, if, if I got an opportunity in Cleveland, I would not turn my nose at it. So shout out to Cleveland. Shout out to the Midwest more generally. We out here. I'm a, I'm a Texas boy, but I rep the Midwest now. I'm just, I'm, that's who I am. So anyway, moving on. I mean, we're going to talk about Cleveland today because we got our AFC North preview. And in, this is the last preview show. So we're in our eighth show of eight on these, on these uh, divisional previews, excuse me. And our goal here has been to talk about every dynasty relevant player you know, if you went back and kept score, we probably missed guys here and there. But, you know, who's actually keeping score? Uh, talking to you, Kyle, I bet you've got a scorecard uh, <laughs> in, your, in your back pocket. But uh, but hey, we're, we're in our last episode here. We're going to continue talking about these guys heading up to that north. Uh, let's go ahead and kick things off with this first half. And we'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lots of new developments in Pittsburgh after what feel what was like two decades of Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. No more big Ben. It is baby hands versus titty boy. Kenny Pickett versus Mitchell Trubisky. I, I don't know if y'all heard that, but uh, was that Mitch rubbing his hands together or or was that John? It was Mitch, oh, but he was, was rubbing. It was, was just, not his hands. It was. I was ready to talk some shit. I was like doing that thing, you know, in the corner, just oh, rubbing okay. my thought, hands thought, together, you know. I thought you were rubbing your hands together to make fun of baby hands. Oh, no. that's what I thought was going on. No. That's but, good. I like that. Anyway, baby <laughs> hands versus titty boy. Kenny Pickett versus Mitchell Trubisky. 
I think the feeling so far that we're getting out of the preseason program is that Mitchell Trubisky is going to begin the year as the starter. But Kenny Pickett, obviously the much more valuable piece in Dynasty. John, we know, you know, throughout the whole rookie process that you have been a fan of baby hands. You've advocated to draft him ahead (laughs) of consensus. So I'm going to give you a nice leading question here. Why are you so confident in a 24-year-old rookie who didn't break out until year five at Pitt? And that is, that's an unbiased question. You know, obviously, I have no agenda in asking that. <laughs> yeah, in statistics, I think we call that wording effect bias, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, let me just temper that by saying I do have Kenny Pickett at uh, QB 18, which is pretty similar to where I had guys like Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Zach Wilson this time last year. Much better prospects, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Well, actually, yeah, probably. But the point being that, um, yeah, I am confident that he's the best quarterback on that team. I'm not necessarily confident that he's going to be the quarterback of the future there. But uh, that time will tell on that one. The thing that makes Mm -hmm. me confident is the the. The Steelers, they they are the ones who picked them. Mm -hmm. There was only one first round quarterback and it was Kenny Pickett. They could have taken any of those guys (laughs) and they could have just said, no, we got Trubisky. We're not going to take any quarterbacks. We're going to wait till next year. But they didn't do that. They spent uh, pick number 20 on Kenny Pickett. And what I saw was a quarterback that was the most NFL ready of any of the prospects this year. So am I confident in him? Yeah, sure. I think he's going to get his chance. And you'll have a chance to prove it. Um, I think my rankings show that as well. So I'm keeping an eye on it. I do think he's the starter at some point this season. Maybe six, seven games in is what I'm estimating. And uh, yeah, I, I think that he's got a shot and we'll see if it works out for him. I agree with you, John. I agree with you, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and take this on to Mitch Trubisky, if that's all right with you, Tark. Um, Sounds good, man. Yeah. So to keep what you were talking about going here uh trubisky for me i'm not feeling very good about him um there's something i like to think about in terms of dynasty leagues and winning your dynasty league and that's winning parts of the season so uh i guess this would be the only argument for mitch trubisky is trying to win early on in your season and uh so that just begs the question how many games is mitch trubisky going to play john's already saying six or seven um i'm projecting maybe eight and uh, so I guess here's the obvious, right? Like like we said, he's expected to start. In 2018, he was quarterback 11 overall in points per game. But the other three years, like he was 11.6, 14.1, and 16.2. So I think the bar of expectations is around quarterback 27 in points per game. And I guess what I'm getting at is that there's just really no reason to justify going out and getting Mitch Trubisky if that's the kind of production that you're going to get out of him. You may as well just hang out with uh, your boy baby hands and not even bother. I just like the options, the similar options like Marcus Mariota, for example, who don't have a first round draft pick quarterback staring down at that starting job. Yeah, the, his days aren't necessarily numbered like Trubisky. Like, we know the end is going to come. We don't know. It could be like a Trey Lance situation. It takes a whole season. But uh, we know that at some point, Trubisky will not be the starter anymore, which is important. I think there's definitely the ceiling case that Trubisky comes in and he plays reasonably well in that Pittsburgh infrastructure that, you know, John was just touting as a reason to like Kenny Pickett. Like, 
Mitch Trubisky could come in and play well enough to play the whole season. And because of the weapons around him, because of his legs, he could have more of like a low end QB one ceiling. Right. But I think that is more of the edge case. And I think we should probably project that he's probably going to be more in that like 16 points per game area while he's starting. And then because Kenny Pickett is a first round pick, we have to project that at some point he's going to get an opportunity to play this year. That's just what happens with first round picks. Like you can do all the justifying and all the rationalizing you want that Mitch Trubisky might hold on to the job for the whole year. But from a probability standpoint, we're going to see Kenny Pickett take the reins at some point. So I, I I just wanted to say there's there's a ceiling case there for Mitch Trubisky. But I think, you know, the median case, the most likely case is that he's all right for you for six or seven games. And then Kenny Pickett comes in. So when you say he's all right for you, though, I, I feel like it's almost just bad practice to to spend any sort of asset on. It depends on how much you're paying. Yeah, that's fair. So what is his worth right now? What would you pay to go get Mitch Trubisky? A third. Uh, early third. <laughs> yeah. yeah, early projected third, which I don't know if that gets it done, you know, right. but I get, it might. I, I mean, I think I think a third is worth, you know, six to eight games of potential low-end QB1 numbers. And then there's always the, the the possibility that he becomes a guy like Jacoby Brissett, where he kind of jumps around team to team. So he could still carry value on your dynasty team in future years. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah. Wor- that's worth a third to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll just call back to Pickett really quick. I have him at quarterback 23, so I'm a little bit less bullish on him than y'all. You probably could kind of glean that from the way I framed the question. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like, we'll see. Anyway, let's move on to running back. Najee Harris came in last year, got 381 touches as a rookie with over 1,600 total yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, That was good for 17.7 points per game, which slotted out as running back six. In true Pittsburgh fashion, right, he walked into the best opportunity share in the league. We know that Mike Tomlin throughout his time at Pittsburgh loves to just give one guy all the work. Mitch, you know, we've discussed as recently as last week the lack of efficiency many times with Najee Harris, and perhaps he won't get as many checkdowns as Noodle Arm Ben was willing to kind of just like force his, you know, Noodle Arm to sling that way. But I mean, even with that, and even as much shit as I've talked about Najee Harris as like he doesn't really create much yards on his own, I think it's hard to make a case for him outside of your top five running backs in Dynasty. But what do you think? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I'll I'll just come out and say it like the inefficiency just straight up doesn't bother me here. And maybe it should, but it doesn't. Like he's had flashes where he's looked just somewhat slow in plotting. I get that. But other flashes of absolute brilliance and he has excellent hands for such a big back and i mean he gets mad volume turn it up to 11 like trubisky and pickett are going to have to rely on him to take pressure off of them anyway so we we talked last week about how all of the running backs in the top five are a bit flawed in their own right whether javante williams and uh sharing time um in that backfield or swift same with him he's just not getting all those targets so on the ground anyway. So, I mean, Najee's, yeah, he might not take the doors off, but he's like the the safest of the bunch, if you will. Yeah, I agree with that. I've got him at running back four in Dynasty, just on, based on that volume. 
Um, he's not, he's not even that old. So we're like in year two of what the three year window. So I think two years of that kind of production that we saw last year, that's worth a lot in dynasty. Uh, so if I'm a contending team, I'm really happy if he's on my roster. He's about as set it and forget it as it comes with running backs though. Yeah. I think you can expect more than a three year window too. I think it's, it's the duration of his rookie contract. You should bank on a lot of volume for Najee Harris. So that's another four years. Um, but yeah, John, let me uh, flip it to you for the backup running backs. I mean, th- this is a truly nauseating group in Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane, and Trey Edmonds. But I don't know. I mean, if this is such a high volume backfield, shouldn't we be rostering someone at the back end of our bench? Uh, yeah, but I don't think it's any of those guys. I think Pittsburgh's likely <laughs> to bring in one of these uh, free agent running backs at some point this season. I think mm. that Najee could use a veteran presence, some uh, maybe study under the tutelage of Devontae Freeman or something. I don't know. But, you know, like I, I do think that's likely because we've seen Benny Snell, we've seen Anthony McFarland, and those guys are not worth rostering. So... Yes, I agree with the premise of the question, but no, I, I don't. I don't. I suspect all three of the guys you just mentioned are available on the waiver wires of your leagues. I mean, they're they're all bad. They're just useless. <laughs> they're, they're fucking worse. useless. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the pass catchers at wide receiver. Deontay Johnson had a twenty eight point five percent target share last year. Played essentially every snap, ran every route, was able to create yards both before and after the catch. And since he's been in the league, he's just been an absolute target hog. So his value has fallen significantly this offseason, actually, uh, with with the transition in quarterback. He's essentially now a low end wide receiver, two in Dynasty, according to Keep Trade Cut. Mitch, what do you think about that? I don't think any of us here agree with low end wide receiver, two. I, I nah. guess I'll do my best to summarize what I think the issue is here. And that's Big Ben leaving town. And despite... You know, the spaghetti arm and uh, looking like the Michelin man and all that stuff last year. Like, he still did what he always did, and that's hyper-target one wide receiver, you know? In the past, it was Antonio Brown, then it was Deontay Johnson. And I think just the people are trying to figure out, is Deontay commanding the targets or was Ben just giving them away? You know, Claypool's still in town. They drafted George Pickens. They got two new quarterbacks. Things are just up in the air. So... I guess what we're trying to do is skate where we think the puck is headed, not where it was. And maybe that's why people are just tempering their expectations with Deontay. But fuck that. That's wrong. Deontay is amazing. And I think that he is straight up commanding those targets. So by this dip, I I think this is kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, the baseline assumption should always be when you see a guy with 25% plus, but 28% plus target share. The, the heuristic is targets are earned. And Deontay Johnson, because of the way he creates separation and because of what he can do after he catches the ball, he's commanding those targets. So I'm glad you looped back around to that and said it was dumb. Mitch. No problem, I baby. I got you. <laughs> John, uh, let me ask you about the other kind of two guys that round out the top three of that depth chart, and that's George Pickens and Chase Claypool. I think they generally shake out in a lot of dynasty marketplaces as as pretty close to one another but who would you rather roster yeah that's a tough question and uh i have thought about this a lot because what it feels like to me is it's kind of like george pickens is a re-roll of chase claypool it's like we had the big uh, rookie year from claypool but it's kind of dropped off and I, i feel like we've seen what claypool is and i feel like his he's probably not long 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So maybe he restarts his career somewhere else at some point in the future. But uh, right now, I, I think I like the shiny new object of George Pickens better. If only because I saw him dominate in the SEC. Uh, I've liked the profile. I, I think he's an interesting player, and I, I like the ceiling. So in this case, if I'm going to try to pick a wide receiver too, I think the, the upside play is the right one to go with. I like that, John. I actually had to think about this question a couple months ago uh, in a rookie draft. When I was up, I think it was like pick, maybe like the first pick in the second round, I believe. And I get a trade offer coming in, and it was Chase Claypool for the pick. And I knew I was taking Pickens, and I was like, well, huh, well, God, like, what do I do here? And I agree with you, John. George Pickens is is the play here. Like, it's the ceiling. It's the ceiling play. Mm-hmm. And you got to go with the re-roll. I, yes, exactly. I take the re-roll as well. I will say with Chase Claypool, if you look at his 2020 versus 2021 stats, they're essentially identical. It's like 109 targets versus 105 targets, 62 receptions versus 59, 873 yards versus 860 yards. Yards per reception were really close. What was the differing factor? Four touchdowns in right. one game. Yeah, like Chase Claypool had nine touchdowns as a rookie and he had two touchdowns as a sophomore, right? And we saw that big touchdown game in his rookie year and we glimpsed that ceiling of what he could do as that size speed guy on the outside. Um, so I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle there. Uh, and, you know, maybe if he, you know, hits some regression back toward a high touchdown number, we could see his dynasty value go back up. But uh, overall, in terms of comparing them one to one, yeah, I think you got to go with uh, the younger guy who maybe comes in and immediately takes a, t- a 20 to 25 percent target share. And then all of a sudden, it's like Pickens is blowing Claypool out of the water in terms of dynasty value. Mm-hmm. So Calvin Austin, Ooh. he kind of rounds out this receiver room in terms of dynasty relevance. Mitch. You know, he's he's tiny boned, but he was very productive at Memphis. And unlike guys like Rondale Moore and Wandale Robinson, other tiny boned guys coming out in the last few years, he actually won on the outside primarily in college, which is really interesting to me. Is Austin interesting at all to you? Nah, man, I'm not interested in the 5'8", 170 pound receiver that was drafted in the fourth round. He could be wide receiver five on this team, I guess. But as my girl Ariana Grande once said, thank you, next. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll put him on the taxi squad and see what happens. I, I, I liked um, his production profile coming out of Memphis. All right. At tight end, let's close out the Steelers with Pat Fryermuth, who had a really solid rookie year. And, you know, I think the narrative around him all offseason, and I've been touting this narrative as well, has been like, you know, touchdown regression, target share was unspectacular, he's overvalued, etc. And I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. But at the same time, I think we all collectively need to kind of take a step back and appreciate a rookie tight end who was an early declare, had a nice profile coming out of college, and then put up 500 yards and seven touchdowns with 20 red zone targets. Like That's a really good rookie year for a tight end. That's impressive. So, John, now that I'm kind of getting off my soapbox about that, talk to me (laughs) about Friar Muth as a dynasty asset among tight ends. 
Yeah, I've got him as uh, tight end eight, and uh, that's I, I've got him at his floor right now. I think that we need to appreciate, like you said, that he's a guy who comes out into a, not a particularly easy system to play tight end because he's doing all the blocking and the receiving, running the routes, and ends up with seven touchdowns. That's a big deal. He's going to be a safety net for Trubisky and for Pickett, whoever ends up starting throughout the season. So I think that he's not getting enough respect, and I think it's probably because Kyle Pitts was the other tight end uh, who Mm -hmm. was uh, breaking out as a rookie last year. Any other year, we're talking hype all offseason for Pat Fryermuth. I like him a lot. Uh, I think that... Some of the commentary is that, oh, Trubisky doesn't throw to his tight ends and stuff like this. I don't really buy it. Uh, Fryermuth is going to be a weapon over the middle. I don't think they have another player like that who's got the ability to get open over the middle like that. And I expect maybe not seven touchdowns. Maybe there's regression. But that wasn't like a huge number of touchdowns. So maybe five or six. But I still expect that he's going to end up as a top 12 tight end. He was tight end 13 as a rookie. That's a big deal. So... I we haven't seen the ceiling yet. Yeah, I I'm kind of with you here, John. Uh, I, you know, like I don't love the rookie tight end thing, but I do love buying in when I've seen it, and I've seen it. And luckily for me, like you said, people are still a little scared off for uh whatever reason. Tight end seven on keep trade cut. You know, that's going to be a little expensive. It's going to be probably uh I don't know a second and a piece. But if you're looking to square out your tight end room, I think this would be a guy that could take the next step into the top six in a couple years once the old guys get really old. Yeah, he's definitely a candidate to do that. Let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens at quarterback Lamar Jackson played in 12 games last year, finished as the QB seven in points per game. And then Tyler Huntley came in and played pretty admirably, at least from a fantasy perspective in Lamar's absence. But Mitch, I kind of just want to talk about Lamar here. I mean, you can do what you want with Tyler Huntley, but I think Lamar has a good chance of finishing as the QB one, at least as good of a chance as anyone else in the field. But in Dynasty, he's kind of consistently ranked outside of the top tier and maybe even the top two tiers of people's Dynasty quarterbacks. So where do you fall on Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I don't I don't like him falling out of those tiers there. He is at the very top of the second tier for me, meaning he is behind Mahomes, Josh Allen and Herbert. Uh, But yeah, he's number four. And if I'm sitting at pick four in a startup, I'm not even blinking at Kyler or Burrow like it's automatic. Uh, Lamar has had over a thousand yards rushing twice already in his career. Um, He's got that number one finish under his belt. Uh, so I guess the tiebreaker for me with Lamar versus Kyler is that Lamar just runs better and has a higher ceiling. Uh, but at the same time, like it's so, so, so close that I'm not going to just plant my flag and say like he is like exponentially better than Kyler or Burrow. I mean, they're in the same tier. They're all in the same tier. But, you know, even if it's a six point per pass league, I'm still taking Lamar over Burrow. And we're splitting hairs again, boys. That's what we do. See, here, here's the only here's the only issue I've got, right? So the passing numbers in 2019, over 3,000 yards on 15 games. 2020, 2,700 yards on 15 games, and then 2,800 yards on 12 games, which on a per game average is higher. But uh, I feel like it needs to be said because it's not just me. I, I, this is my confession. 
and I want you all to just talk me out of it. I'm not the only one who thinks this way. The concern with Lamar Jackson is he played 12 games last year. He was injured. Why is that bad reasoning to discount Lamar Jackson because of fear of injury? Yeah, I mean, I'm really going to try my best to not worry about projecting whether an injury is going to happen or not. I mean, you can say all you want about Lamar Jackson because of his play style, because of the way he runs. He exactly. might put yeah. himself out there more for injury, but in terms of like consistency when he's playing, right? Like if Lamar Jackson is hurt, you're not going to put him in your starting lineup, right? <laughs> but when he's playing, he's going to be among the most consistent quarterbacks in the NFL with elite production because of precisely what he does with his legs. So from a process perspective, like I think if you want to fade him a bit relative to other quarterbacks because you think he might get hurt more often, that's fine. It's just not something that I'm really going to spend my time worrying about or projecting, right? Just because of what we've seen him do over his career. It's it's a hard zone to talk about because like it's something that's immaterial. You're not going to ever be able to predict when an injury happens, right? So it's it's just kind of up to the, you know, the the play style of the dynasty manager. Let's move on to running back JK Dobbins coming off the ACL tear that erased his sophomore year after a hyper efficient rookie campaign. We know he's walking into a great running environment, but he might not get a whole lot of volume on either the rushing or receiving end of things. John, where do you rate JK Dobbins among dynasty running backs and are you interested in acquiring him? Well, I have him at running back 14, and like I was feeling a little nervous about all this injury stuff. And then today I saw him fire off this tweet at Ian Rappaport saying, Loved it. not only is my rehab going well, but I will be ready <laughs> in week one. I don't know who your sources are. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And if that's <laughs> if that's the case, then like I'm all aboard. I, I love J.K. Dobbins coming out of college. I think he looks great in the system when he's playing. And if it's true that he's ready for week one, then I'm going to have to adjust my ranks. And I'm going to be real sad that I had him at running back 14 because if he's healthy, if he's playing every game, he's got uh, the potential to easily be a running a top 12 running back this season. Yeah. Speaking of that, that's exactly where I got him. I pulled up the ranks here thinking, oh, boy, I've probably been sleeping on JK, but I have not. He is still at running back 12. And I mean, he's he's the best of the bunch there. He is the certified number one running back there. And uh he's healthy man watch out yeah i mean he's so talented like and uh one thing we saw at the end of his rookie year start to be uncorked was his pass catching ability which we know he had coming out of ohio state and i think there's still a possibility that he could get a little bit that a little bit more you know into his professional production so that would be really interesting. I mean, I have him at running back 13, so I think I'm a little bit ahead of consensus on keep trade cut. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Gus Edwards also tore his ACL just a few days after J.K. Dobbins. The Gus bus, he's also been really effective on his rushes. That's kind of a pattern with the Ravens. Um, and he would, of course, return value in the event of a Dobbins re-injury or a re-complication of that ACL tear. Mitch Edwards used to be among kind of the ranks of priority handcuffs before that injury, and he doesn't seem to really be there anymore. Do you think he should be? So today I tweeted 
Uh, I'd rather have Beatty than Gus Edwards. And that was not a Beatty tweet. That was a Gus Edwards tweet because I just, I think Gus Edwards has no upside. I think he's just a guy coming off that ACL injury. We're going to take this conversation in a different direction than we did with J.K. Dobbins. Like, Gus Bus is just so replaceable. And if you don't believe me, buckle up for the next guy we're going to talk about here, (laughs) Mike Davis. Like, I'm not willing to pay anything for Gus. Nothing, zero. Um, I don't think Beatty's any good either, honestly. Uh, There's just a picture of Spider-Man named Justice Hill pointing at another Spider-Man named Beatty (laughs) and, like, another Spider-Man named Mike Davis pointing at (laughs) Gus Edwards. Like, I mean, this is all miserable, right? Like, J.K. Dobbins is the guy. I'm getting the hell out of any of these other guys. I don't know if I completely agree with that. I think Gus Edwards has, you know, shown enough in getting that second contract and, like when he does get the ball, he plays really effectively. I mean, I agree he's just a guy, but he's a guy that this coaching staff trusts, and he's just a guy that when he gets the ball, he's probably going to average five yards per carry. So we'll see what he looks like if he comes back from the ACL healthy. I mean, I mean that's to be determined, but I I definitely would rather have him like clearly over Tyler Beatty and Justice Hill. Well, okay, but what about Mike Davis, though? Do you think Mike Davis is going to eat into the Gus Edwards carries? Because no, I don't. I don't. Mike Davis is less than just a guy to me. I feel like they're both (laughs) going to be like cannibalizing on each other's Jag status. Could be. Could be. Um I, that's a good point. I mean, maybe I'm I'm giving too much of the credit to what Gus Edwards would do if he got the work. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Mike Davis has has been he's bad has been done for a few years now. Let's move on to the wide receiver room. Rashad Bateman, Shoddy B had an kind of an injury and also COVID riddled rookie year that limited him to only 12 games. And I think even when he came back initially, he he wasn't playing at at full speed. Despite the underwhelming target share and the raw numbers. He posted promising numbers and reception perception. So he was 84th percentile mark against zone, 81st percentile against press man coverage. John, since Hollywood departed to Arizona, Bateman's value has kind of shot up firmly into the top 20 receivers for many ranking services. Are you as optimistic about his production moving forward as that value would indicate? Uh, I think there's a lot of speculation and projection going on there. I think that he showed enough to be interesting at the end of last season. But let's be honest, nobody's having that sort of conversation if uh, Hollywood Brown doesn't get traded, right? Like the only reason that people are excited about Bateman is because he appears to be the only uh, the the clear Mm -hmm front runner on that offense. And I've always said, I want one guy on the, on the Ravens receiving core, but let's, let's be honest again. We're going to talk about that guy in a minute here in Mark Andrews. So do I think that, uh, Rashad Bateman is in line to have an, a step up his second year? Yeah, but I would not value him myself as a wide receiver too. Uh, at this point, I think he was averaging, uh, 10, uh, 10 points per game, last season, which is pretty good, but that's that feels like a wide receiver three for me. And I've been proven wrong before, but I have been proven right in the past. So I still like Rashad Bateman, uh, but I'm not sure I'm ready to make that kind of jump in dynasty value for him just yet. I'll do it. I'll push my chips in. I mean, push it in. I push got, it real good. <laughs> I got Bateman circled like four times over here to take over that uh, wide receiver one role. And it was a first round pick last year. He's 22. And, uh, 
you know, what's weird is ADP is actually one spot lower than it was in 2021. <laughs> so I think this is a smash. Uh, he's wide receiver 26 on player profiler. I have him at wide receiver 20. And I do think talent-wise, draft cap-wise, he's got the clear advantage over Duvernay and Prochet and Tylenol Wallace and all those guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, he is going to get the first crack at it. And we should be sticking with our priors here a little bit. I mean, they wouldn't have traded Hollywood away if they thought he was scum. That's so, a good point. That's I true. mean, you got to put the wheels up for our guy, Shoddy B. You know, Hollywood who? Let's go. I like it. I like it. Uh, John, let me ask you really quick, like just give literally two words of answer. Who would you rather have on your roster out of Tylen Wallace, Devin DuVernay, or James Prochet? Uh, Duvernay. I, I like the speed. I think he's got the okay. Potential Duvernay. That's that's you, you quickly ran out of words there. Did you know Prochet went to SMU? Yeah, <laughs> at, at tight end. Mark Andrews exploded last year. Twenty six plus percent target share. Thirteen hundred yards. Nine touchdowns. He was the tight end one. He was a top five tight end 11 out of the 17 weeks, and most of those were top three finishes. He also had a number six finish. You know, it's like he just every week was balling out. He projects as the tight end one for 2022, just about to turn 27, but, you know, mostly behind Kyle Pitts in dynasty rankings. Mitch, how close is it between Andrews and Pitt? Um, How old did you say Mark Andrews was? He's turning 27 in like a month no that's wrong uh he's a man he's 40 oh like right. I, th I i think it's a lot closer than people want to admit i think that pitts could even be the 1b to mark andrews 1a here Ooh. now my rankings don't represent that so i cannot fully say that but i mean look pitts has the age advantage but andrews just might be just as good and happens to have a superstar quarterback and an offense that's gonna Make him the wide receiver one, you know, uh, that offense is going to score more points. I think I think Andrews is going to score more points for the next two years, three years, maybe four. Who knows, man? Like it's I wouldn't hate it if somebody came out and said they have Andrews higher than Pitts. I think it's very, very close. It's Andrews this year and then Pitts every year after Atlanta gets a quarterback. What if Pitts finishes like tight end eight, though? Doesn't matter. This is a blow-off year for Atlanta. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a completely unheard of uh, position to have Mark Andrews over Kyle Pitts in Dynasty. Player profiler, uh, Matt Kelly and those guys do have Mark Andrews as the tight end one. I feel smarter. All right, uh, John, another you know very short answer. I won't give you two words, but you can have a <laughs> sentence. Charlie Kolar or Isaiah Likely, two 2022 rookies. No, I, I, you know, I like to put the the tight end rookie tight ends on the taxi. Uh, I put them both on the taxi to see what happens. I don't have anything intelligent to say about them other than that. Okay, Charlie Kolar got drafted a little higher, so maybe go him. All right, Mike check. It's halftime. This week in halftime, uh, we're we're about to get into peak training camp season and. I want to know what's a training camp drum beat that might actually move the needle for you a little bit. We all understand that training camp hype is usually a bunch of bullshit, but if there's one thing that you'll pay attention to from the beat reports for any team, I don't care what team it is, what is it? John, I'm going to start with you. 
Well, I heard that Jamar Chase was having trouble catching football. Oh, oh crap. This is these are my notes from last year. Oh, okay, sorry. Let me let me turn the page. Here we go. These are these are the right notes. Uh so what I wanted to say is I'm kind of starting to buy into the Austin Hooper semi-hype, and I know Marles is gonna like this. Um here's the reason. So when he left the Browns, he kind of dropped some shade. He he mentioned that he wanted to be a part of a team with a good culture where he had a chance to compete and there was a good locker room. And I, I remember reading that back in, I think it was March, and I kind of like, okay, that's just, you know, rotten eggs or whatever. Uh, he was just feeling bad because he got cut. Uh, but now I've seen some more reports that Baker really did divide that locker room. <laughs> and that team was not operating at full capacity because they were divided. So here's just a little reminder. In 2019, before he was moved to the Browns, Hooper was tight end three in points per game. That wasn't that long ago, right? He's still only 27 years old. So when I see the report that he's building good chemistry with Tannehill, I'm definitely taking note of that. Uh, Marles, you're going to remember this. This time last year, Anthony Ferkser was a lot of people's sleeper tight end pick. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't, Didn't pan out. But Hooper has actually shown the ability to compete at that level. So um, also keep in mind that the only real veteran receiving presence on that team, other than Hooper, is Robert Woods. So, you know, am I going to like shoot him up my rankings? No, but I'm definitely going to continue to monitor these reports because I think they're interesting. All right. uh, I will go next. Uh, Training camp drumbeat that I've already kind of started paying attention to is that of Chris Olave. He's a route running savant who we thought was pro ready coming into the league. He's already started receiving rave reviews for his ability on the field in OTAs. And if that drumbeat continues to grow louder through training camp into the preseason, I can see myself, you know, bumping him a little bit in my personal ranks. I'm already partial, as many of you will know, to guys who perform well on reception perception. And Matt Harmon loves him some Chris Olave. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to grab in New Orleans. Like, we don't know if Michael Thomas is still the guy he was a few years ago. I think Jarvis Landry is a good player. But I think that there's room for Olave to assert himself as a guy who can take a big piece of the Jameis Winston pie, which we know can be a pie with a lot of cherry filling in it. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Saints are hoping for, right? They gave up a lot to get Olave, so hopefully that's the case. I, I guess I guess Jameis Winston's pie would have crab in it, right, Mitch? Oh, crab cakes. It, crab cakes. I could go for a crab cake. Mitch, why don't you give us your training camp drum beat? Well, you know, there's this thing called asthma that... No, I'm just kidding. We're not talking <laughs> about Taylor birds. All right, let's, let's talk about this guy, Alan Robinson. I'm going to talk about him every episode until we get to our reputation players here. Allen Robinson has been doing Allen Robinson things in training camp. Sean McVay is losing his mind, talking him up. Matt Stafford is saying things along the lines of like, he's real big, but moves real small, you know? So like, they're all quite impressed with Allen Robinson so far. And I mean, this dude just escaped Chicago and Matt Nagy for fucking Sean McVay. And, you know, if if everybody just keeps talking, talking, talking him up, I'm going to do it too. 
drum, 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 drum. Yeah, drum roll, please, <laughs> Alan Robinson. I like it, man. I mean, he he's in such a good position to smash this year. All right, let's kick off the second half, and I'm actually going to throw it to Mitch here uh, to host the rest of this show, playing a little switch up. A little Whoa. role play in action here. <laughs> Just got back from Cleveland, so let's let's start with the Cleveland Browns and uh, at quarterback Deshaun Watson, and uh, he might be the most disliked current NFL player on this podcast. Uh, he's got a looming suspension. He might sue the NFL for suspending him if they do, and uh, he's got twenty four women accusing him of sexual assault or misconduct. So it's a goddamn shame we got to talk about him in terms of football, but. What's even more shameful is that some of us are stuck with the dilemma of rooting for a guy like this to succeed simply because he's on your fantasy team, or trading him away for less than he's worth so you don't have to. But anyway, let's get this over with, shall we? Uh, The Deshaun Watson suspension, or not, has proven that he can be a top five overall fantasy quarterback. And he proved that three years in a row, actually, so we can speculate all we want about how long the suspension's gonna be, but he's 26 years old, and uh, we're playing dynasties, so... I mean, you can see there's a lot of youth left for him. So if we're trying to be actionable here for the listener, uh, is this one of those follow your gut types of situations, Tarek? Yeah, man, I guess. I I mean, I'm not interested in rostering him anywhere. Like, I, I have no interest in targeting him at this point. But look, I'm not going to pretend like that's all about, like, ethics or anything like I have made a few offers for Deshaun Watson over the course of this offseason um you know and partially that's because it's it's about suspension like the uncertainty is about suspension so I think if you're a dynasty manager that wants to take advantage of his potential discount right now because you think there's a good chance that he only gets a 4 to 6 game suspension as fucked up as the NFL is like okay you can convince me that he's a reasonable target. For me, in terms of actionable advice, I would pay a single 2023 first for him, and that's it, which means I'm probably not getting him, but I cannot advocate to the listener to pay anything more than that because that is my ceiling price. Beyond the suspension, I think there's a legitimate question of, look, this guy hasn't played in a year and he might not play in another year. It's like, do do we know if he's actually been playing football? It sounded like he was lining up at safety for the <laughs> Texans in practice. So uh, obviously his head's not going to be in the right spot. That's not going to take uh, like a day to recover from. Like he's still got to learn a playbook and he's got to be focused. That's what the quarterback does. So just from a p- purely fantasy standpoint, I, you you shouldn't expect uh, QB five numbers from Deshaun Watson this season. I don't think uh, just that's going to be there's too much too many other things going on to expect him to be able to recover from not playing for a season and having all these other tr- distractions going on. I have Deshaun Watson in a couple leagues, and I'm really not willing to uh, part ways for a discount. So I think I'm just here keeping him on my bench or team or wherever until. Some of this gets resolved, and then we can go from there. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Jacoby Brissett. I, I guess he's probably in line to be starting at least like six games or however long the suspension may be. Are, are you guys looking to roster this guy? I mean, he's hasn't really shown starting-level quarterback play in a while. Uh, I mean, and if so, what would be the price that we're paying? My, my assumption is just because I saw this happen across many leagues is that Jacoby Brissett was 
potentially available on your waiver wire, you know, a few months ago, right? So if you got Jacoby Brissett on the waiver wire, then I would be completely fine with you selling him for a third. Taking that little bit of profit, turning it into a third, you know, maybe you get like six games of low-end QB2, high-end QB3 production out of him. I'd rather have the third. I feel like you're still going to have him on your bench. So having him is effectively useless. Yeah, I mean, but I think you can ca- I I think you can cash out Jacoby Brissett for a third round pick in almost every league. I was saying keeping him is useless. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I I think he's bad, and I think he's bad for everybody on the team. I mean, so it's a depreciating quarterback three is what I'm saying. If you did pick him up, I do like that. I would get rid of him. All right, moving to running back here. Uh, we got Nick Chubb, an excellent real life running back. Uh, one of the best pure runners in the NFL, but we're not talking about real football. We're talking about the fake shit we like to fantasize about. <laughs> so uh, Nick Chubb doesn't catch passes. He doesn't run routes. He doesn't much care for that type of behavior, and the Browns respect him for it. They pay other running backs to catch balls and run routes instead. So Chubb has been incredibly efficient on the ground, nearly in the top five in every category in advanced metrics by player profiler. He's sitting at the top of the age apex at 26.5 years old. So I feel like that's like right on the tippy tip top. Uh, John, it's pretty obvious sell for me, or am I reading this wrong? Uh, I think Nick Chubb's going to eat this season. I think that if you're going for it this year, Nick Chubb's a guy that you should probably circle because if Jacoby Brissett's starting the entire season, Nick Chubb's going to get as many opportunities as you as your little fantasies can handle, <laughs> Marls. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I sold him last year in one of my dynasty leagues and now I'm really regretting it because with all the Deshaun Watson stuff going on, Brissett's not very good. They're going to lean on the passing. Uh, we're going to lean on the rushing game a lot. Chubb's going to get incredible fantasy points this year. Once Deshaun Watson starting, I don't expect that to be the case. So uh, maybe long-term sell short-term buy for me. So you think a suspension would be better for Nick Chubb? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I actually firmly disagree with that. Uh, if, if, if I'm banking on Chubb at optimal performance, I think Deshaun Watson being in this the lineup is better for him, right? Just because the offense moves more like like we were just talking about, Jacoby Brissett is a pile of dog shit. Like he's not good at football, and that offense is going to be impotent without him. And yes, they will lean on Nick Chubb, and yes, he is ultra efficient. But ultimately, it's better for Nick Chubb if Deshaun Watson's in there. So in in general, I want my offenses to be good for my fantasy assets. Well, John, okay, I want to take this question another route then. You said um, if Deshaun Watson is not suspended, you're going to be fading Chubb a little bit. But what about Kareem Hunt, on the other hand? Well, he's the pass catcher, right? And I think he's still under contract this year and next year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's he's the guy that I think benefits more from Deshaun Watson playing. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has you you kind of think of him as like a dump off quarterback, but I I don't think he's really done much for his uh, pass catching running backs in the past. So uh, I think the offense, like Tarek said, is going to run a lot more smoothly with uh, Deshaun Watson at the helm, and that offense is operating best when Nick Chubb's taking the the rushes and Kareem Hunt's the pass catching. Uh, running back with Brissett back there, I don't think Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt, is worth 
much of anything. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit below market on Hunt. Uh, I think he's running back 29 and keep trade cut. I have him 32. I mean, I see it like a little bit differently. Like you either get Jacoby Brissett, who will make the offense impotent, or you get Deshaun Watson, who will make the offense much better, but he does not throw the ball to the running back. So, you know, if I roster Hunt anywhere and I and I don't, I don't have him across my eight leagues. I, I'm still hoping that he ends up on another team, to be honest. I, I just want to say that uh, Hunt, this is a contract year for Hunt, actually. I was oh, mistaken. And so maybe that does make a difference in terms of, you know, him wanting to do really well. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't agree. I, I don't like that narrative either. Me, okay. I, John, I'm button heads with your narratives. Uh, you know, <laughs> just I said maybe. I didn't say I, I said maybe. John, I want to follow <laughs> one of these narratives. Uh, screw this guy, Tarek, over here. So, like, say Deshaun's suspended the full season. You say they're going to rely heavily on Chubb. That's what I would in, expect. Yeah, but in 2020, I mean, Hunt was getting about, I don't know, 50% of those rushes, too. So, uh, you, you guys might not be Hunt guys, but I see a real path to Hunt po- uh, scoring some mad points this year, especially as the pass catching back out of there. And Could happen. Especially as a runner, too. I think you guys are undervaluing. I, I kind of see Nick Chubb more like the Najee Harris who can excel even yeah even when the boxes are stacked. I don't necessarily see Kareem Hunt as that kind of runner. Gotcha. All right. Well, Tarek, you mentioned in our rookie preview series that Jerome Ford, if you want to piss off Angry T, jump in front of him and draft rookie Jerome Ford. <laughs> Did anybody piss you off? Yeah, definitely. A few people pissed me off. Uh, I think Trey might have pissed me off twice, specifically. So, Good job, I mean, Trey. I'll, with Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford, they're both running backs that I would try to roster in every league. You know, we've seen with Dearness Johnson, it only takes one injury for him to become fantasy relevant. And then if there's two injuries, then both of them are going to be relevant. With Ford specifically, It's a little bit different because he's going to be the clear RB4 on that roster, which is a little bit harder to stomach rostering on your dynasty leagues. But I just think Ford is a good explosive player, 84th percentile speed score. He really pops on tape. And, you know, I think the Browns clearly have a knack for developing running backs, and I'm not expecting anything at all in year one for Jerome Ford. But he's a great taxi squad guy because I think he just might be talented enough mm-hmm. to eventually find his way to some touches. John, what about Dearness Johnson? Uh, he had some pretty good Alexander Madison-esque games last year coming in to that run first offense and putting up 20 plus points. I think he did that twice. Uh, he was a good sell last year, but if you still have him, what are you doing? Uh, I'm keeping him and hoping that Kareem Hunt gets injured again. Oh, so <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah, I have De- I have Dearness Johnson on a few teams. Love love his talent. What are you paying for him? Uh, I would I would pay a third to get him on my team. I, I think if either Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt gets hurt, he immediately steps into fantasy relevance like flex play week to week. If I countered you with uh, two thirds, would you do it? Uh, I'd probably buck back a little bit. That's my guy. All right, moving into wide receivers. We got Amari Cooper, uh, and this is actually true. He's he switched to number two, and he plays for the Browns. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Amari Cooper might now have to endure that season with Jacoby Brissett hucking him the ball. 
We got this new offense. He doesn't have C.D. Lamb anymore to attract attention away from him. Cooper's gone from Derek Carr or David Carr to Dak Prescott to to who? So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do now. He's around wide receiver 31. John, you buying the Skyline Chili in Cleveland? I, I'm buying him if he's wide receiver 31. Sure. Uh, I've got him all the way up at 27. So, uh, you know, I think that he's definitely the wide receiver one for that team. I don't know what that necessarily means this season. Uh, but the fact that they went out and got him, I think, says a lot. And, you know, I, I would still value him as a wide receiver, too. If he was like my the third wide receiver on my dynasty team, then I'm feeling pretty OK about that. And that might be something that worth targeting, at least now, before we know when Deshaun Watson's going to be coming back, because I think you could still buy the discount right now. Yeah. Tarek, I'm all the way out. Back me up, bro. <laughs> I, yeah, I have priced myself out of Amari Cooper. I got him at wide receiver 35 right now, but I'm looking to move him down. I will probably move him down. Y- y'all are just, spots. you're just disgruntled Cowboys fans. That's all y'all are. I am certainly not. Uh, Look, I just... he is not a target share dominator. Like he, he he's usually about like 18 to 20% in target share, right? Like we've seen that throughout his career. He I, I, I don't think it's a given that he's gonna be the wide receiver one in this offense. I'll just leave it at that. But look, he was Cooper was wide receiver one oh no, that's Cooper Cup. Sorry, I take it all back. I've been looking at the wrong stats this entire time. <laughs> Sorry, you can cut all that. Oh, John's drunk. All right. Uh well, I guess well, Tarek, who the fuck is gonna be the wide receiver one then? David Bell? David I'm Bell. saying it's not a given that Amari Cooper <laughs> will be the wide receiver one because I think it's possible that David Bell could be. All right. Well, let's talk about David Bell then. I mean, look, here at TLG, we like him. He's 6'1", 212 pounds, third round pick out of Purdue. And everything I read about his camp so far is that it's really corny, but they just keep talking about how he's never dropped a ball and how good his hands are, which... I mean, look, that's that's some good news coming out of camp. So, Tarek, would you be surprised if David Bell is starting week one? Right. I, I mean, so I obviously think that he's going to start in week one. Like, let's think back to our rookie series for a bit. David Bell, 94th percentile breakout age, serial elite producer in college, dominator rating of 35 percent. College target share of 28.7%, which is an 87th percentile mark. He was drafted on day two to a team who I think has gobs of opportunity with a guy like Amari Cooper there, who is like an 18 to 20% target share guy. So David Bell, athleticism wasn't there at the combine, but I think it says a lot that he produced in college and he was able to pull off day two capital Mm -hmm. despite the bad combine. And ultimately, draft capital and production profile, when it comes to wide receivers, way more important and predictive of NFL success than athletic testing. I kind of remember back when uh, David Bell and Rondale Moore were on the same team, and David Bell was clearly the quote-unquote alpha wide receiver for that team. And I think that's still... two feet taller than him. No, I think it's three. Uh, no, it, he he looks like your classic alpha. Uh, I could see him. I could actually see, agree with Tark a little bit here and see him taking over the wide receiver one role from Mari Cooper. Uh, 
um, at some point, but I don't necessarily think that's going to happen week one. Donovan mm-hmm. Peoples-Jones more, being more familiar with the uh, playbook, so he might be starting ahead of David Bell, at least at the beginning of the season. Yeah, there's a little DPJ hype that I just can't get behind. Uh, both DPJ and Anthony Schwartz are definitely rostered in Dynasty Leagues. I mean, I guess there's still like outside shots that these guys hit. Uh, you rolling the dice, Sean? You going to roll the dice on some Peoples-Jones? Um, if somebody wanted to make me an offer for either one of those guys, I would definitely take it at this point because I just don't value the wide receiver three, uh, in this offense at all. And I think that's probably their ceiling in this offense is wide receiver three. Yeah. Wide receiver three in a run first offense isn't the sexiest thing I've ever heard. So right, right. Tarek, any of that good for you? No, trade away Donovan Peoples Jones for Jerome Ford. If you can, there you go. (laughs) There you go. All right, moving to tight end. We got David Moneybags Njoku. Four years, $55 million, and like 12 career catches. So uh, (laughs) let's see if this will translate to fantasy points. I mean, Austin Hooper's gone. Baker Mayfield's gone. Njoku is obviously in the Browns' bigger picture. I mean, whatever that means. Uh, The fact remains Njoku is healthy last year, all year, and he qualified for a whopping 6.7 points per game. He just turned 26, though. He's 6'4", 246. He's big. Uh, Tarek, you willing to throw down that tight end 21 premium? Uh, I've got him at tight end 24, so I guess that's a little bit behind market, but he's in the same tier for me as guys like Gerald Everett and Brevin Jordan, who I have ranked a little bit ahead of him. So it's not like I'm fading David Njoku at his price. Like you said, he's an incredible athlete. He's shown some flashes, and yeah, I mean, I think we were all surprised at the contract the Browns doled out for him. I'm not bullish on him by any means or banking that he's going to break the fuck out, but he's one of those players that I don't mind if you take a shot on, if you send out a third and a fourth round pick to acquire him or something. Like, maybe he's the next Dawson Knox, Mm -hmm. who was the next Robert Tunyon, who was the next Gary Barnage, right? Like his sophomore campaign at 9.6 points per game was his best. He's going into his sixth year, but he's only 26. So like you can hope that he crests that 10, 11 points per game, but I don't think you should expect it. I'm I'm pretty interested, actually. I mean, he's cheap. And like you mentioned, he, he could very well be the next uh, surprise top 10 tight end here. But... Yeah, I don't think it would surprise the Browns. I mean, they paid him, so I think there are some expectations there. And, like, if you're rostering him, like, I personally would, like, have a couple more options. Uh, For an example here, I do have Njoku in a few leagues, and I went no tight end in those leagues. So I kind of got a collection of guys like Njoku, uh, Hayden Hurst, Tunyon, like, Dudes like that that could break out and be big or just kind of be cheap disappointments. But at least when Joku, you got the age. I mean, he's like like we mentioned, he's young. So tight end 21 seems pretty cheap. Like that's a third round pick. So I I would rather him break out on my team than somebody else's. And this would be the year that he does it. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Harrison Bryant. Who? John, this seems like one of your guys. Um, watching for the third year breakout. That's all I got to say about Fingers that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. He's he's one of my guys. I'll say that. I would rather have Harrison Bryant on my roster at cost than David Njoku. Sure, sure. All right. 
Let's do it. Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow is good. Joe Burrow is cool. And Joe Cool is quarterback six for all of us at TLG, except for John. So I'll pass him the ball in a moment. Yes. Uh, but what else needs to be said about Joe Cool? I mean, no matter how you slice it, he's in that second tier of quarterbacks. He has two world-class wide receivers, and you're a happy guy or gal if you have him on your dynasty team. Uh, so let's do what I like to do and look at a few trades and take sides. Let's do it. All right. I got Joe Burrow for Kenny Pickett. Traylon Burks and Kenneth Walker and Joe Burrow not close yeah I'm taking Joe Burrow there for sure uh that's 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 too big of a drop that's fair this one's just for fun this is a real trade that I found on the uh the trade finder Joe Burrow for Donovan Peoples Jones pick 1.10 which is 1.10 if you can read and (laughs) 2.12 what worst trade I've ever seen that's awful all right Burrow and AJD for Dak and Henry. Uh, give me Burrow and AJ Dillon. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to. Ugh. All right, Joe Burrow for Lamar Jackson. Straight up. Straight up, John. I've got Lamar. I've got Lamar ahead of Joe Burrow. I'm not trading away Lamar Jackson if I've got a legitimate chance to win this year. Right. I'll tell you that. You're not not even for Joe Burrow. Your uh, guy. I, I I think I've got them one spot apart in my rankings. So they like if you're gonna. Force me to trade within a t- tier. You're going to give me a premium for that. So I- I'm going to need. I'm Good gonna non-answer. Need... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I told you I was going to pass you the ball. Well, here, here's the ball back. Are you, are you like big braining the ten-year picture with Joe Burrow? Is that why you, you have him over Lamar Jackson? Let's say you're trying to win. Uh, let's talk about the five-year picture. I think that Joe Burrow has the best weapons around him of anyone in that tier. Mm-hmm which is why I prefer him. Um, I, I felt really good last year after he blew out his knee. He played every single game. He led his team to the Super Bowl. I think he's motivated. Uh, I know that's narrative-y, but the guy is pretty clearly a competitor and he wants to win every game. And I like that reliability. You know, When you, when you invest in a quarterback on your dynasty team, that's a commitment, Marles. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to make that commitment to Joe Burrow because like, I know that he's going to be there for me when I need him. And I guess that's my preference. And it's all narrative. And I, I, I'm just going to accept it. All right. Now let's move <laughs> on then. Let's get on out of the quarterback room. I don't know who his backup is and I don't care. Don't uh, matter. Running- doesn't matter. Running back, Joe Mixon. And he's arrived, and uh, excellent timing, too. The offense is absolutely stacked, and he's part of the reason. He had his running back four finish last year, stayed healthy all season, racked up 18 points per game. He did most of his damage on the ground, but he wasn't that bad of a wide receiver either. He finished number seven in routes run. Uh, he had 48 targets and 42 receptions. And there's talk of using Mixon more on third down this year. So, Tarek, you and Trey convinced me last year before the season started to raise Mixon in my ranks. I'm in lockstep with y'all now. I have him as my running back 10. Somehow John has us all beat at running back 8. Take that. Uh, What do we do now with Mixon? I mean, do we hang on tight and enjoy the ride? Or are we getting out? He's getting up there in age. Yeah, I think it's a good question because the concern with running backs is always in Dynasty. Like, when is the best time to cash out? And for Mixon, I think it might be right now. Like he's running back seven on keep trade cut. I don't think he's going to get any higher than that, at least, you know, markedly. He's 26 years old. He's probably got a solid two years of his prime left before not only we, 
but likely the Bengals will want him off the roster. That's mm. just how it goes with running backs, right? So I think if you're a clear contender, it makes sense to ride him for this year. He's probably a top five running back in 2022 projected. But if you're rebuilding or you're like on the fringe of contention, I do think it makes sense to like back into a slightly cheaper player and add some draft equity on top, right? So I'm thinking about Saquon. I'm thinking about J.K. Dobbins, who we talked about earlier, Cam Akers. I think you kind of have to pick who you think is best in that tier. Back into that tier, out of Joe Mixon, you know, add Mm -hmm. a 2024 first or something like that on top. Yeah, John, I know you roster Joe Mixon in several leagues. Uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback what Tarek was saying here. So if and in these leagues that you have Joe Mixon, you are competing. So say the wheels fall off a bit. Things don't go your way. Is Joe Mixon the first guy you're trading off your roster? Uh, yeah, the running backs go first and he I've got him as my RB2, RB3 on several teams. So that's definitely a guy that I'm uh, looking to get rid of because, uh, yeah, like you said, the wheels come off faster. And I think he's definitely still in that realm where you can get a 23 first, a 24 first plus. Uh, so that's, that's while he still has that value, then yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you take that and you run with it. Oh, how the times change so quickly in Dynasty. Yeah, um, you got to keep up. You got to keep up. Got to pay attention. Got to listen every week, boys and girls. All right. Samaj P. Ryan. It's weird that that's how it's pronounced. And Chris Evans, our backups, 1A and 1B. Either of these guys is the, I'm sorry, is either of these guys a premier handcuff? Or do we think it just goes full-blown committee if Mixon goes down? John, do you have a preference? I think P. Ryan, just because the coaching staff preferred him. Um, He didn't do anything special when uh, he stepped onto the field, but uh, he still does carry some value. And Chris Evans, I think, is probably just a guy. Wide receiver, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, both pretty good. Uh, Jamar Chase had a 23.7% target share, 37.6% air yard share, and was number three in deep targets. T. Higgins, meanwhile, was uh, 23.9% in target share, 35.9% air yard share. You say tomato, I say potato. Both (laughs) these guys should absolutely be in your top 10. And I don't think there's much debate between who you'd rather have between the two. I mean, most people lean Jamar Chase. So I guess I'll ask you guys this instead. Tarek, would you advise selling Chase while he sits atop this mountain with uh, Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I mean, it's the exact same conversation we had last week with Justin Jefferson. Like, tier of his own, obviously, with J. Jeff. But if you can get a godfather offer that, like, smells something like a quarterback in draft equity or... DK Metcalf and you know Dak Prescott or whatever then Mm -hmm. I I think it makes sense from a pure value perspective just because Chase is one of those guys that people will overpay for at the same time where I have Jamar Chase I've not tried to sell him at all so I'd listen to those godfather offers but I'm not like shopping him you're just the godfather sitting in the chair like come at me with your stupid fucking offers yeah like sit on him and, and enjoy Jamar Chase, unless somebody blows your socks off. All right. John, would you advise buying T. Higgins then? I mean, if he's still being valued as the 1B here. Um, And for what it's worth, I've read this debate on Twitter and read it several times. Who would you rather have, Michael Pittman or T. Higgins? And I was honestly surprised how many people went Michael Pittman. 
I would definitely take T. Higgins, and here's why. Joe Burrow is well capable of supporting two wide receiver ones in this offense, and I think Jamar Chase and T. Higgins likely are both wide receiver ones this year. Uh, I'm not positive that's going to be the case for Michael Pittman. So, yeah, I take T. Higgins easy. Well, if you have Michael Pittman, I would go uh, T. Higgins hunting if you uh, if you want to have a better team. Um, actually, the weird uh, the argument I heard the most was that quote T Higgins wasn't the alpha there and I just sitting there shaking my goddamn head yeah uh, because T Hill T Higgins is built like an alpha but anyway moving on to a guy that's not uh Tyler Boyd he's the classic high floor slot guy dude just army crawls around the floor scraping up little bitty fantasy points and uh he's pretty much always a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside uh John where does that fit in and uh on your roster I think if you're contending, he's a good flex play this season, for sure. Uh, he's still under contract, and he it doesn't hurt to have a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Uh, you, you know, he, the, the market's kind of down on him, and there's this narrative that he's not relevant. But if, uh, if Joe Burrow can support two wide receiver ones, then he can fit in another wide receiver two from uh, occasionally week to week. So, yeah, if I'm a contender, I might go shopping for him. Oh, I know we got to say bye to John here, so he's he's got to go uh, pick up his daughter. So I want to let him go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I do need to go. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, go ahead and go. Bye, audience. But um, I, I will say with Tyler Boyd, I agree with John. It's like at his current cost, which is like very low. Like you can probably get him for two thirds. I think it's worth investing. Like he's, it, there's a high chance that one of Jamar Chase or T. Higgins misses games this year, and in those games, Tyler Boyd is a must-start wide receiver. So I think he's worth investing in at the current cost. I actually wanted to throw another little tidbit out there since we've been getting more involved in 14-team leagues, and I know you guys listening play in all kinds of leagues, so. If you're in a 14-team league, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd is a much more attractive option than he is in a 12-team league, too. I would absolutely yeah. be targeting him to fill out my flex. All right, moving to last and perhaps least the tight end position here. We got Hayden Hurst. Um, I have quite a few shares of him. That's um, more out of desperation and hope, to be honest. But uh, he hasn't really done much since getting drafted. Um, he's very cheap though, and right in the correct offense. So you buying in, Tarek? Uh, arbitrage, David Njoku. I guess like I would rather have David Njoku, but he's another one of these tight ends that's like the quest for Tunyon, the quest for Knox, right? Like just a guy that's outside of the top fifteen that could end up being a tight end one and return some value on your roster. So, um. Yeah, I'm 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 fine with it if you want to take the stab. I mean, that's how I feel about like almost every tight end outside of the top 12 to 15. It's like, "All right, if you want to if you want to pay the minuscule price for him, then go for it." Yeah. I I do, and like I said, I kind of rounded out a lot of teams with like these high upside cheap tight ends because like, you know, some of them might hit and if you got a you got a player hitting on this offense, then you definitely made your money's worth there. Uh, Tarek, before we finish up here, uh, I, I realize that there are more than three wide receivers on the Bengals. Do you want to talk about any of these other guys? Puka Williams, Trent Taylor, whoever Stanley Morgan is. Uh, apparently Mike Thomas is there. I think it might be a different one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
No, I do not, Mitch. Yeah. I, do not. I you know, I don't want to say it, but like if one of the one of the top dogs goes down, it would be interesting to see which one would step it up. But I don't know. They're not going to be on my team. Yeah. Hayden Hurst. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it would go to a running back. Yeah. The trickle down would not be nearly enough to justify any kind of rostering of any of them. All right. Fair enough. Well, I think that does it then. Yep, that's going to do it for episode 63 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We will see y'all next week when we actually have to prepare some content beyond divisional previews. I'm really excited for it. So see y'all next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. No, I